everybody, and welcome to Fantasy Focus Baseball. It's a beautiful Monday morning, July 27, 2020. The sun is shining outside my windows, but there's a pall over our great game of baseball, and hopefully we'll find out some more clarity later today. But for now, we're going to do our fantasy show. He is Tristan H. Cockcroft, who I believe, after three days, has already won all his leagues. Kyle Sapi researches and produces our fine show with a brilliant smile, and I am Eric Carabell. Just hoping to avoid relegation to some alternate podcast site. Uh, gentlemen, we have to talk about the great game of baseball. We've got a full weekend in already and lots to discuss. American League West pitchers, not a good weekend for them. We tell you which hitters of multiple home runs this weekend are for real. And, of course, an ace is born in Chicago. But did we have any doubt that Tyler Chat? My only question to you, Kyle, is this. So Tyler Chatwood obviously is going to win the National League Cy Young Award. Do they present it to him in early August, or do they wait until November, as is like the standard? See, I think early August is probably the play for the award, and in November you switch the name of the award. So you, you honor him twice is kind of my, my feeling there because he has been such a great ambassador of this fantasy sport that we love so much. <laughs> you got it too much. <laughs> Oh. oh, boy. Okay, well, uh, let's get to the good stuff now. Not so good, actually. I mean, it's mostly bad news this weekend. And before we get to Justin Verlander and Shohei Itani, I just want to give you an idea of where we're sitting at when we record this show. It's 11 a.m. on Monday morning. Uh, we know as of now that there will be no Marlins game against Baltimore. There will be no Phillies game against the Yankees tonight. And it's certainly possible that more games will get canceled. There'll, there'll be some breaking news at some point today. But from the time we're taping this podcast, this is what we know. Uh, the Marlins still managed to score 30 runs on my Phillies bullpen yesterday with half a team. <laughs> I want to take this show seriously, but we're going to deal with the players, the closers, your, your questions, trivia, all that stuff, because I just don't know what's going to happen before people listen to the show or before our next show, whenever that will be. So I hope everybody's okay with that. So. Um, Start with Justin Verlander, Tristan. Uh, he pitched Friday night. He pitched well. Uh, by Sunday afternoon, something was amiss with his right elbow. And now the Astros are saying, uh, shut down for two weeks, reevaluated. I texted you last night, and you answered me seven hours later. And I said, would you cut Verlander in a league? And the answer, I suspect, is not so easy. What, do you, what, do you, what is your answer here? It's not easy because of who he is and how good a player he is, but it's two weeks before he'll be reevaluated. There was, of course, that uh, immediate report by one of the Astros beat writers that he was out for the season already, but two weeks to the point of reevaluation, we're looking at, uh, that would be 41, so August. August 10th. Yeah, well, well let's take a quarter. Evaluation point. Yeah, I mean, this is the this is the problem is that then he's going to have to work himself back up to the point he can pitch again. We're looking at late August as the best case scenario. Yeah, I'm worried that this puts a huge dent in his season, even in the best case scenario. So I would tell people don't cut Verlander yet because he still could pitch five times in September. But I don't know. I don't have an answer here, and and I, I guess it depends on your roster construction. Do you need the roster spot? to pick up Tyler Chatwood, for example, who, by the way, all seriousness aside, like, he'd probably be one of the top five starting pitchers I would recommend people pick up right now. I don't know who is a better pickup under 50% rostered, like Dylan Bundy. I looked at a list today, and Dylan Bundy's on that list. Um, so I, but I don't like Dylan Bundy. Steven Matz? Oh, you're going to recommend Steven Matz? I don't Bundy think so. Oh, I would I take just... Chatwood. My point is, like, 
And, and any Astro replacement, Cy Snead, or I, I don't know, who, Christian Javier, I don't know who is a better pickup. The point is, I'd have a hard time dropping Verlander to pick up Tyler Chatwood or Dylan Bundy right now. So I'm going to keep Verlander on my roster and try to sneak my way through if there's the next couple of weeks of baseball. What was the what was the league, if I may ask? Um, it's a league that has a, uh, has a five man bench, I believe. Any, and any injured, no list, injured huh? list? No, no injured list. So, yeah. see, your hands are a little bit more tied there. I actually think in ESPN we have the advantage that your league doesn't now, where ESPN granting you the three injured list spots, you can wait and make the decision later. I, I don't see the, a scenario by which somebody needs all three of those spots with three guys definitively better than Verlander. So you can delay the decision for a week. All right. So for now, we're going to say it depends on your league, whether you cut Verlander in your league or not, because I could see him pitching in September. And we should say a forearm strain is often a precursor to UCL replacement surgery, which is Tommy John surgery. Yeah. And if that's the case, this might be the last time we've seen Verlander at all, which would be a, a great shame. I love watching him pitch. I, I think he'd come back after uh, if he had a Tommy John surgery, I think he might come back afterwards, but it would. I mean, at this stage, you're talking about 2021 is out for any Tommy John surgery guy. Yeah, um, like Sir Anthony Dominguez is supposed to have his Tommy John surgery any day. He's already done for 2021. So hopefully rest will help Verlander's arm and he can pitch again in about a month. Um, Corey Kluber, it's a shoulder. And to me, I don't want to say that's just as bad because, you know, when you have Tommy John surgery, that's a full year. But with Corey Kluber, that's a shoulder, man. That's that's almost as bad. Like there's no clarity there and shoulders don't heal <laughs> the same way that elbows do. You can't go in and fix the shoulder surgically and then you're all right again. It's like you're always compromised forever. So I would drop Corey Kluber right now. He threw only one inning over the weekend. I think, you know, Texas didn't go up a ton for him and maybe this is why. I, I think if you've got him in almost any league now, I would move on from Kluber. Do you agree with that? Another case of I try to delay the decision as much as possible to get a firm diagnosis from the team. But you're right. He's a definitive step beneath uh, Verlander and the injury does worry me over in terms of an effectiveness, uh, his effectiveness after a prospective return this year. And we should note, I don't see anybody viable right now in Houston. Forrest Whitley's not just going right into the rotation this Wednesday. And there's nobody on Texas in the minors that is coming up right away. So I, there's these teams don't have, like the Dodgers do, <laughs> the Yankees have Clark Schmidt, Phillies have Spencer Howard, although he's not starting in place of Vince Velasquez this Friday for some unknown, ungodly reason. Good luck, Phillies, with your bullpen this year. The point is, like most teams do not have viable replacements for these injured pitchers. One other guy, and I don't think he's injured, but maybe he is with the velocity drop, Shohei Otani, uh, nary and out recorded on Sunday, which stinks because I love watching him pitch, but his velocity was down. He couldn't throw strikes, 30 pitches. Half of them were balls, half were strikes, obviously, and he got charged with five runs in a loss. And I ask you, I mean, maybe he's hurt as well. This is his first start coming back from Tommy John surgery, so... What do you do with Otani? I, do you, you have to keep him rostered, I assume, right? Yeah, I, I think the absence risk for him is, does he need another surgery? And I, I don't see anything right now that indicates that's the case. So he could still be a designated hitter for you and provide close to, if not all of the value that you paid for him uh, uh, during draft season. The problem is that this outing from a pitching perspective was ugly in all aspects. No command. No velocity, 92.9 average velocity on the four-seam fastball. It was between 96 and 97 the last time we saw him pitching at full health. He just wasn't fooling anybody. And 
<laughs> the other thing is he wasn't relying on his, his secondary pitches. This was as if it was the first time he was pitching since he came back from that injury. And it's not far removed from that. He had that bad outing during summer camp. That's another thing that we briefly discussed and probably way too briefly. He's a couple steps away from the point he could help you as a pitcher. I mean, I mean, do you see him? Do you see any prayer he turns around in the next in the next outing? I, I just don't. I think that's going to be a multi-step uh, process. Why? I mean, why? I mean, he's coming back from Tommy John, but he's had plenty of time. So I don't want to assume that there's something he can't fix before his next outing. I mean, he's got a great arm. He's not a rookie. He's a veteran guy from, you know, Japan. Like, I, I just don't see why he can't bounce back. Yes, the velocity drop is concerning, but there were other pitchers that had velocity drops this weekend. I'm not all that concerned about all of them. It's one outing, and they had short spring training. So if Otani had gone two innings and given up two runs – but at the same velocity, would we be doing the same thing right now? I, I think so, yes. I mean, I'm talking about from watching this game, a couple things that stood out to me. It was a more than three-mile-per-hour velocity drop. That is a huge problem. When you see velocity drops, they're typically in the range of a full mile per hour, not three. The other is he threw 30 pitches, and they're talking about him as a once every week. He pitches Sunday. I mean, they're even talking about des- putting him in as the designated hitter today because he didn't last deep enough into the game. So he's not going to be able to throw 80, 90 pitches in his next outing. So where's the volume going to be? I, ju- I just don't see how the next outing and probably the next two are worthwhile for fantasy now. Oh, I would bench him, but I wouldn't drop him. Oh, um, no, 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 no. Don't, no. don't drop him. He's got too much value as a designated hitter. All right. Uh, let's move on. Let's have some happy thoughts here. Um, if we can find any. All right, so here are the here are some of the hitters. By the way, there were no combo meals this past weekend. None yeah. at all. Isn't How that about great? that? Yeah. Is, I, is I, that I, a, a portent of, of further absence? Like the, the home run hitters don't, aren't bothering to steal bases? I mean, Robbie Grossman had a two-steal game. Mookie Betts stole a base last night. He has power. I say it's just coincidence. What do you say? I think it's coincidence too. I mean, I didn't, I, I've got to do the, the full calculations on stolen bases, but from the initial glance, it didn't look like the rate was steeply down from last year. Here are five hitters that had multi-homer weekends. Uh, we're not mentioning Nelson Cruz. He's rostered in every league. And by the way, he's amazing. He could win the, the MVP award if they play 60. Um, but here are some multi-homer guys. I had a good look at a couple of them. Jesus Aguilar of Miami. Uh, I think he's feeling okay right now. Didi Gregorius, all masked up. C.J. Crone, who I actually got in a bunch of leagues. Joey Votto, and I think they were both off lefties. And Seattle rookie Kyle Lewis, who I compared to Fran Reyes in an article a week ago. And now I'm thinking, that looks pretty good. Um, do you want to rank these guys? Do you want to go through each of them one by one? How do you want to handle this? That's a good question. I kind of like the idea of ranking them against one another. All right, so let's rank them. Who? Because who, none of them are rostered in all leagues, even Votto. I, they, I, so let's rank them in, in order of what we think they'd be worth this season. I, I guess I could sure. – I want to say Gregorius first. Shortstop, power, he look, looks great. Pulling the ball. Um, I'm going to say him first. I'm going to say Kyle – do I really want to take Kyle Lewis over C.J. Crone? Because Kyle Lewis at his best, isn't he C.J. Crone? Like that's my thing. Like – is Kyle Lewis really going to be better than what we think C.J. Crone is? In a normal season, C.J. Crone is a 30-homer guy who bats 250. Is he going yeah, to be better I, than that? I, 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 look, I, I, I'm impressed by what Lewis has done. By the way, this goes back to last year. All, almost all of this is tied into power. I like the fact that you threw the Fran Mill Reyes comp there because I feel like so much of Fran Mill Reyes' value is tied to home runs. Same thing for Lewis. 
I just don't think he's as complete a player as CJ Crone is. I, I would also agree it's DD Crone Lewis, but Crone and Lewis are close. But even that says something because none of us are ranking Kyle Lewis where we rank CJ Crone. But I, I think I need to do that if we do more rankings. So I would agree. DD one, Crone two, Kyle Lewis three. Between Votto and Aguilar, who are you most likely to roster right now? You had to make a, you have an injury. You have to pick up somebody on Monday morning. Who are you taking? You see, and this is the tough thing is that I'm tempted to put Votto at the head of this list as much as I'm tempted to put him at the back of this list. And if it's a points league, it's Votto. That's, that's obvious. That's In a Roto league, though, you got you got to take a stand. Is he number one or number five? I, I think he's my number four right now. I think I would wedge him. I think it's going to be a three-man tier where I'm wedging him firmly between Crone and Lewis. All right, that's fair. And there's a bunch of uh, hitters, I mean, that got off to the opposite of the Nelson Cruz start. Chris Bryant looks terrible. One for 14 with six whiffs. Rafael Devers gets the Baltimore staff and has one hit. In 13 at bats, Charlie Blackman looked bad. Devers Solaire. game too. Yeah, I mean, are you worried about any of these players? Nah, one weekend. I mean, uh, well, you're worried about you know Shohei Otani. You're not worried about any of these hitters. Shohei Otani has the data that that I mean, I mentioned about the workload and velocity. It's a it's a huge red flag. I haven't seen enough on these guys data wise to suggest there's reasons to panic. You know. I agree. Um, all right, let's move on to a closer carousel here because a lot happened. Actually, I want to jump in with a trivia for you because you mentioned Nelson Cruz. If you don't all mind. right, go ahead. Yeah, what do you got? Because it's a Nelson Cruz-related trivia question. All right? Trivia, trivia that Eric won't know. And he's dancing I, while he's doing this. Yes, of course. Cruz has three home runs in his first three games in 2020, which are also his first three games as a 40-year-old. The record for home runs hit after a player's 40th birthday is 79 held by Barry Bonds. So I'd like you to name the three other players who hit as many as 50 home runs after turning 40 years old. Three players have hit at least 50 career home runs after they turned 40 years old, and I'd like you to name them. I'm sure you would. (laughs) (laughs) I, I, I have no doubt that that's actually the case. Um, after they turn 40 years old. Okay, I got to think about it a little bit. I mean, there's a couple names that jump to mind because I know they played when they're 40, but I, I'm going to look ridiculous here. So, but in the meantime, um, we right. can go to the closer carousel if you want. <laughs> Let's do it. I think your singing is the best part of the show. I, I do. Like, we're giving good advice and information, I think. You are, at least. But Kyle, you would agree. I mean, Tristan's singing. There's no, nothing more. His his value over replacement singing wise is the best of anybody here. Second to none. I mean, we really there's really a drop off when you're not here, Tristan. The drops, even when I'm in studio and I can play the drops, it's it's still not the same. I prefer live Tristan music every single day of the week. <laughs> yeah, I think if we ever get drops oh, back, boy. thank you. That we should just ignore them and Tristan should sing. The rest of what I contribute drags down the overall war, but if we're going to split out the singing, okay. <laughs> well, I'm just like a replacement player host. So, and, 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 and I find it funny, like, you know, they're demoting players, you know, to the alternate site. And it sounds like science fiction. It's like, oh, you know, this guy, like, and it stinks. Like the Mets pitcher who got lit up in relief doing a favor for the team Get sent to the alternate site. It's like, thank you for all you've done, but now you're you're done. You're in science fiction. You're done. They were shifted um, through the dimensional portal over to another dimension out in something space. Something like oh. that. 
And boy, Rick Purcell looked good last night. Um, so let's do the closer carousel here that you sung. So, uh, yeah, Kyle, Kyle you got to drop that. I understand how excited you are about Charlie Chatwood. But <laughs> Rick Purcell, he's got a family from New Jersey. Seems like a nice fellow. Let's not let's stop rooting against him. There's enough hatred in this country, Lord knows, that we need to stop hating on anybody individually. We want everybody healthy. He's a nice guy. You may not want him on your fantasy team. He wasn't even on the field very long last night. Like he, he was able to stay healthy, out of the way of injury. Like we think, we think. I mean, I've, I've so interviewed high. him. He's he's a reasonable <laughs> fellow. Let's not like hate. If you Kyle, want, Kyle, you could go ahead and gloat about winning the bet of Ch- uh, Chatwood versus Porcello in weekend number one. Feel free. You could take a couple uh, uh, minutes uh, over. One weekend. If the season ends today, then I will glow happy about the season final. But um, yeah. No. Okay. We can stick with positive Chatwood vibes over negative Porcello. I'm fine with that. All right, so I think the biggest news when it comes to relief pitchers this past weekend is what happened to Ken Giles on Sunday. And as I'm watching on that, I'm thinking, uh, how, are they, how are they not taking him out of the baseball game? His velocity is down. He can't throw strikes. Something's clearly wrong with Ken Giles' elbow. And yet he still got to face another, I think, two hitters, frankly. So I'm assuming that Ken Giles, if they do play baseball again, is not going to be pitching for Toronto anytime soon. And I think Anthony Bass is the closer, but it could be Rafael Dolis or somebody else. What are your thoughts here on Toronto and Ken? It's a shame because I've been saying Ken Giles is underrated. He really is. It's always good numbers. But now this looks like, looks like something serious. Yep. And I think you've said it quite well there. Uh, and they did announce afterwards that it was right elbow soreness for Giles. So I, I do worry that an IL stint is forthcoming. The only other name I'll throw in, in addition, was Jordan Romano, who I know that the Jays looked at very highly coming into the season. I think they felt that he probably isn't ready for that. So since they have Bass and they have Dolis ready to handle the eighth and ninth, that's the direction they'll go. But it could be any of the three over the long term if Giles' injury is extended. All right, here are the um, the following teams where I think there's at least some lack of clarity, or maybe it's clarity and it's a different player than we thought it was going to be closing. Um, let's start with uh, Kansas City, where Ian Kennedy pitched like the sixth inning the other day and Greg Holland got the save. Do you think Holland – I can't believe I'm even asking this. Ian Kennedy was one of the top five closers in fantasy in the final four months of the 2019 season. And they're really going with Greg Holland to closer. Tell me that's not true. I feel like it's not true, but remember that Kennedy did come completely out of nowhere at this stage of 2019. So it's not inconceivable that Holland, who has experience, could be the guy. For now, I'm planning as if it is still Kennedy. How about your Mets? Edwin Diaz, opposite field home run. Oh, oh, I feel dirty now. Um, I, I bet Edwin Diaz gets another chance or two. Um, he's still throwing hard. He's still throwing strikes. But, I mean, you connect with him, and you're a right-handed hitter, and it's going over the fence. I, I think Diaz is still the closer, but how many more chances does he get? At least another one. I mean, he was fine in the first outing. Uh, and <laughs> the ups and downs are very reminiscent of last year. I think it's still his job for now. But the fact that they had whispered at the, about the committee, it's one more step away. Matt McGill is a lot like Ian Kennedy. He pitched in the middle innings. Taylor Williams got the save for Seattle yesterday against Houston. That's a bad sign. I mean, and McGill's not even as proven as Kennedy, and Kennedy's only proven for a four-month season. But I would drop Matt McGill right now. I would drop Tony Watson to the Giants. Clearly, Trevor Gott got two saves. He's the closer. It's not Tony Watson, right? I still think that's a committee. 
And I'll be honest with you, on fan- fantasy-wise and mixed leagues, I don't care about either of these two teams. I, just, I don't think there's going to be enough there for it to matter, but you're right that it, that Dot's looking like he's got a leg up on this competition. And a team you do care about is Tampa Bay, where Nick Anderson pitched the seventh and eighth of a weekend game, mm-hmm. and I think it was Oliver Drake got the save. Yeah. So, And this is something I, I've been saying for a long time. Why are we assuming that Nick Anderson will just get the saves? Tampa Bay never once said, that Nick Anderson was the closer. They never said that. We all just assumed that based on how well he pitched last year and the fact that Diego Castillo and Jose Alvarado were somewhat compromised or pitched poorly or, or had the virus or something. I don't think Nick Anderson's a closer. I think he'll get some saves. I don't think he's going to get all of them. Agreed, and I think that's the best description, and I think that's what we, did. we had been teeing people up. It's the reason and the fair assumption as to Anderson being the closer is that he's the best overall pitcher, the most overpowering, and has the stuff that fits the role. And if you're going to go with a committee, that's the guy you want to draft first. But you're right. It's going to get spread around. There will be situational opportunities, even for a guy like Jose Alvarado to get saves when lefties are up in the ninth. You just have to deal with it. I guess so. Um, it just seems odd to me that everybody, and we all did too. We had him ranked in our top 10 closers, and I was like, why am I doing that? Anyway, now a word from our sponsor. Okay, let's, uh, let's preview Monday's games in case they happen. And uh, we already know as of this taping that there will be no game in Philadelphia and no game in Miami for good reason. We'll see if there's any more. ESPN has a doubleheader on the schedule. Um, Arizona at San Diego at 4 p.m. Eastern time. Luke Weaver, who I know you're, you're a big fan of, against Joey Lucchese, who I don't think you are. And the nighttime game is the Mets in Boston. Michael Waka against an opener, Josh Oshich. That should be fun. Um, I, Luke Weaver, clearly the best pitcher we're going to see on ESPN, I think, starting pitcher today. Why do you like Luke Weaver so much? Keeps ball down, gets grounders, does miss uh, an adequate number of bats. Non-elite skills there, but also had a very strong finish to last season, which bodes well from the workload perspective. My big question was: Was he was going to get enough? Was would he get enough innings this year? I think in the shortened season, he has a good uh, chance of that. I'm going to defend just to to note: I will defend Lucchese in that a lot of the pitch selection analysts out there in the industry have said there's some stuff. Uh, there's some stuff to like about Lucchese. I'm not I'm not willing to be completely dismissive. The reason I didn't draft him and faded him in mine uh, is because he wasn't guaranteed a rotation spot uh, entering the year. By the way, before I forget, and it doesn't look like Tampa Bay is slated to face a left-hander anytime soon, but G-Man Choi, what he did yesterday was unbelievable. He is a left-handed power hitter, first baseman, who I like, I think, more than most. And I like him. I have him in sim leagues, too. But the point is... He was going to lose at bats against lefties because he's in a platoon. And now he might not be. He hit a home run batting right-handed yesterday for the Rays. And I'm thinking if he's a full-time player and perhaps a full-time leadoff hitter, G-Man Choi deserves a lot more love in the fantasy world. Now, I'm not saying, you know, we're ranking where we do Jose Breu. But why would we not rank G-Man Choi where we rank, for example, C.J. Crone and me, Howie Kendrick, if he's going to be able to bat right-handed against left-handed pitching. Spot on. Why not? Okay. That, that was my point. I, I, am I crazy for thinking that G-Man Choi goes in round 13 if you're drafting today, knowing that he can bat right-handed and hit a home run? I, I don't think we should assume he can bat right-handed and do that again, but if he's locked in role-wise, even if he's batting left-handed and he's a leadoff man for that team, yeah. Well, why would he not bat right-handed now against all lefties? The point. Okay. 
I'm not going to take this reactionary thing that all of a sudden things have flipped like this, but they have, and nobody could have seen that coming. You couldn't have seen that coming. I couldn't have seen that coming, but we should react because it's very clear the role has shifted and significantly so. Okay. I think that's fair. Um, all right. What else uh, on today's slate that we, I guess we'll try to do a couple game days at a time. I'm not quite sure why. Um, anyway, like, man, this is not a bunch of aces going today. <laughs> um, but Tyler Glass now, a potential ace going for Tampa Bay. How do you think he will be used in his first couple starts? Somewhat sparingly, probably not to the extent that Blake Snell was, but uh, I, I think he'll be on a somewhat limited pitch count. I would still start him. He's got unbelievable stuff. He can rival for the batting average against lead in the majors. Definitely just way too good quality to, to uh, ignore. Uh, Tuesday on ESPN Plus, Colorado at Oakland, uh, it says Antonio Senzatella and Daniel Mengden. Mengden in the A.J. Puck rotation spot, which stinks because I really wanted to see A.J. Puck pitch. Yep. But there are some interesting pitchers going Tuesday, at least scheduled to pitch. Carlos Martinez of the Cardinals at Minnesota. That's not a fun place to pitch against that lineup. Um, also, Carlos Rodon at Cleveland. Josh Lindblom at Pittsburgh. Um, so some interesting starting pitchers. Johnny Chirinos I like. Uh, Zach Plesak. Uh, thoughts on any of these pitchers? And Walker Bueller makes his first start. Los Angeles hasn't even used Walker Bueller or Clayton Kershaw yet. Uh, L.A. Houston, that's going to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, Bueller falling into this one, that's another guy who might be facing a limited pitch count here. You know, digesting the individual days matchups, I think <laughs> I think I disagree that I prefer Monday's set. There's, there's three guys there I think are more interesting than the Tuesday ones. Lindblom. I'm on board with you with Lindblom. But then again, I am with Adrian Hauser as well for the Brewers in the Monday game. So the back end of their rotation could have some underrated fantasy appeal. I don't know about Rodon yet. Rodon yet. Rodon was a guy who was thrown into that rotation kind of at the last second. They were talking about it as an option for the fifth starter. He might not make it. He might be piggybacking somebody else. Are you on, really on board this quickly? I'm not on board with any White Sox pitchers. I think that I, I liked Julia. I, I don't have any shares of Lucas Giolito. He looked terrible. I certainly did not go after Reynaldo Lopez, who I think might be hurt. He He's couldn't hurt. even he couldn't even get out of the first inning. Um, they used Gio Gonzalez in relief. I'm missing one of their stars. Now that Kopech's out. They I, it's pitching Monday. That's another reason why I like the Monday. Uh, I, I don't want to invest in him. I, I don't feel comfortable. I'm not going to do I, it. I will, I will say this to both of you, and I'm sorry, Kyle. I cannot see how somebody could be on, on Tyler Chatwood without also being in on Dylan Cease. You got Why? the walk risk. I, I will take Cease's upside over Chatwood. They both have control questions. Oh, oh, I'll give you that. But the difference between these two gentlemen, I think, is obvious. Tyler Chatwood has shown in the past uh, to be a reasonable fantasy option, even in Colorado. Dylan Cease has never shown that. He was a rookie last year. So you're comparing these two as if they both have the same degree of experience. I, I, upside? Why does the, I don't see why Tyler Chatwood doesn't have the same upside or better upside than Cease. Well, I don't see that. Let's not overstate Chatwood's experience. It's one year. What do you mean it's one year? He's pitched a lot longer than Cease. No, I mean like effective, high-level fantasy production. It's one year. I guess you're talking about 2016. The one that it was, got him the contract. You're right. It was not a high strikeout rate. So that was a little bit concerning, but it was core, so you don't know. Um, but la last season, he seemed to unlock something pitching out of the bullpen for the Cubs. And you're right. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, if I'm looking for pitchers that are readily available right now, I don't even know who the Cubs face next. That, that's really all that matters. I'm going week to week. 
Um, so chat with next outing will be the, over the weekend. We're talking a lot about him. He gets, um, uh, he, 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 he's home Pittsburgh this coming weekend. And then he's at Kansas city. As a matter of fact, Kyle did so point you out that he's got a very favorable schedule in the early weeks. And by, by from that aspect, yeah, I'm on board. I think people are going to react like we're in love with Tyler Chatwood and he's the top ad. And I don't, I would hope you guys aren't thinking that way. Well, I mean, look, at, I'm looking at the most added list in ESPN leagues for starting pitchers, okay? Yeah. And here it is. And some of these guys are already rostered. I'll just read out the top five. Sandy Alcantara, Ross Stripling, Nadia Valdi, John Lester. Are you kidding? Why would you add John Lester? Adrian Hauser, Dakota Hudson, Bundy. Um, now, Stripling's at 80% already, so he's probably gone in your league. Why are people adding David Price? I, it doesn't make any sense. So... Probably dynasty leagues where they're trying to get him locked in for a future year. I mean, like, if you want to add Nate Pearson and hope he pitches Wednesday or Thursday, okay, I could see that. If you want to add Brady Singer, it wasn't a bad first outing. If you want to add Johnny Cueto over Chatwood, okay. Johnny Cueto, more success, great home ballpark, looked fine against the Dodgers, looked fine. All right? He's kind of doing it with smoke and mirrors, but he pitched well. So I, I could see picking up any – I wouldn't pick Brady Singer up over Chatwood, but I would pick Pearson and Cueto up over him. Who was Aaron the second Savani, name after, after uh, Stripling? Um, Bundy, Hauser, Evaldi. I don't know. What, what are people picking up Nate Evaldi for? I don't understand the love on Nate Evaldi. I just don't. Okay, one World Series outing. I'll give you that. But he's not a strikeout guy despite throwing 100. He's had no success in his regular season major league career. For any any long period of time, what are you seeing? Are, what am I wrong here? What are you seeing in Nate Valdi? Why are people picking him up? Fair points. I'm not as totally dismissive as you. Uh, I, I do think he's got more swing and miss than you think. I think the current version of him, the one that Larry Rothschild showed how to throw the splitter, can now miss bats at near one per inning, and people are just going for the he's healthy now. I will use him and. Squeeze whatever I can. It's it's a juicing orange pickup. I, I look. He pitched well against Baltimore. He was the only Red Sox starter who did. And I I just don't see. He had seventy whiffs in sixty seven and two thirds last season. Half out of the bullpen. People are treating him as if he's a eleven K per nine guy, and I just don't see that at all. Anyway, moving on now. Uh, that's enough for predicting. I don't even know if these games are going to be played. Uh, let's bring in Kyle now. There's hash browns. People have questions. Let's try to answer them. Well, if you're done with predicting, Hash Browns is a tough place to go. But Bundy wants to know if Joey Votto is legit. And if so, where does he rank the rest of the season, assuming we get 60? I'm not adjusting anything right now on Joey Votto. It was a weekend. I, I, I would like to believe that the power's back, but we've been burned the last two seasons, so it was a weekend. I, I need to see more before I start adding him or Jesus Aguilar, who's had one good season in his career. I can't also, do it yet. Also, roll the tape back to Thursday. We said lefty Reds. Get him in there, stack, go for it, and he is what? Oh, a lefty red. That he is. They're kind of building on that. If you're not willing to kind of jump into the pool for Votto, who are you moving up your ranks after four days is something Jared wants to know. I, I don't want to like – all right, let's go to the hitter's most added list now and see if there's anybody here. Uh, Enrique Hernandez is number one because he had a big first day. Yoenis Cespedes, okay. Kyle Lewis, yes. Chris Taylor, come on. David Fletcher, why? Because he was good Sunday. Jackie Bradley Jr. Jose Peraza batted fifth on Saturday and lead off on Sunday. Andrew Benatendi is off to a terrible start. And if Andrew Benatendi doesn't get hot in the next couple days, he's going to be batting sixth or seventh. 
Peraza could bat leadoff. Verdugo, I suspected a week ago, could bat leadoff. Um, but Peraza is just kind of a base stealer guy and not a big one at that. So I would add Cespedes. He's up to 62% in ESPN standard. I would definitely add Kyle Lewis because he could be Fran Reyes. Um, and, you know, he, didn't he walk a couple times this weekend? That was the thing I liked the most. I saw a couple of the at-bats. He was not just flailing away at everything. And uh, granted, Houston wasn't thrown What's out. The- Kyle Lewis. Yeah, yeah. He walks. walked. He had two walks over the weekend. Granky was terrible yesterday. Uh, he had Didn't he have an opposite field single to win the game yesterday? Like, that's a great sign if a guy is taking walks. Now, he did strike out six times in his 13 at-bats. Okay, so eventually, that 364 batting average is dropping at least 100 points. It's dropping this week 100 points. Mm-hmm. You can't strike out in literally more than half of your at-bats and bat 360. You can't even bat 260 doing that. So Kyle Lewis, to me, could bat 210. But he also could hit 15 home runs. Yeah. The guys, who, the guys who I'm looking at the names, I'll move up. And, and we're talking mostly incrementally. Uh, Leori Garcia of the White Sox role related Choi role related uh enrique hernandez role related lewis who he had mentioned uh and i had one more who i saw that i mean i, I saw a lot too much frankly of uh of miguel rojas and i don't understand why he's batting eighth and ninth for miami he should be batting second for miami he's good and there was a show sometime this summer where I said to you, why can't Miguel Rojas, they invested a long-term contract in him. He's their shortstop until Jazz Chisholm moves him to second base. He's a guy who makes contact. He has the potential for double-digit home runs and double-digit steals. Not a ton, Mm -hmm. but I compared him to Martin Prado with a little bit more speed. Miguel Uh Rojas looked great this weekend. Yeah, I remember that. And and the other is this – I mean, obviously, we'll see how things play out for the Marlins over the next several days, but he was a volume-driven player where they are locking him into a regular role. That is an advantage fantasy-wise when you fill all the categories. Rotisserie-wise, I'd say. But even then, he's second in the majors in points and fantasy points in the points leagues, too. Right. Um, Players being dropped that I agree with. Gavin Lux, of course, he's not up. Hunter Dozier on the injury list with the virus. Um, Garrett Hampson's being dropped because he had a bad weekend, I guess. Buxton, same thing. Uh, Miguel Andujar, playing time's not going to be there. Kingery batting eighth, that's a big problem. Puig unemployed. Kyle Tucker, they're kind of platooning him. Sam Hilliard, they did. They're platooning him with Matt Kemp. I told you it was going to happen, and it did. Um, so I guess I kind of agree with all these. Ryan Braun's being dropped. I could see that. He's a DH now, but he's going to play every day, so I'm not sure why. Um, that, your was thoughts probably, that was probably the injury-related thing at the beginning of the year with Braun, that it's lingering from a couple days earlier. Yeah, I guess so. That's just, just my guess. There, you know, my my only theory. On that. By the by, the way, we're, since the question came from Votto, if I was doing a points set posted on there, yes, I would move him up. I I do think this is one where he's locked in that tenth to fifteenth first baseman set. As a matter of fact, based on the lack of first baseman in a points league, you can pretty easily make the top ten case, don't you think? Yes, and let's be clear here. In a general sense, everything I'm talking about is roto, not points. Roto is my game. But I know points league is a game for a lot of people at ESPN Fantasy. We will specify when we mean points as opposed to straight roto. Mm-hmm. In a points league, Joey Votto would have been in my top 100. In a roto league, he was not in my top 200. So I don't want to change all that yet. I don't. I, I would bet that you and I would have him just outside of that. But we, 
this is the thing. He was borderline draftable for most in a rotisserie league, and he was more of like a middling, a mid-round, you know, throw the dot, dart at, at 13. Okay. That's, that's fair. What else we got? We've got a couple pitching questions here before the hash brown well dries up. Wolf wants to know what the resident Yankee fans doing with Paxton and the diminished velocity early on. Yeah. You know, you, okay, and, and it's a fair question considering we talked about Otani. It wasn't quite as extreme as Otani's was. I'll get you the exact velocity number. It was Does not, it matter? Yeah. Does it matter that it wasn't as extreme? I don't think so. That it wasn't to an extreme? To an extreme. Everybody's extremes are different, okay? So, like, if his, if he's down two miles per hour, I don't care that, it, that Otani is three and a half. Two would be pretty extreme, too. Again, yes. most, most who are off, at most, they're a, a, mile and a mile and a half per hour down. His was 92.4. Watched him, wasn't impressed. You know, the, the injury question in the past, the fact that he was supposed to have a delayed start if the season was on time. Maybe he's not quite up to his full strength at this point. I'll give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt there. You're going to trade him for, what, 60 cents on the dollar? So what's the point? You're, I think you're stuck and you have to wait it out and just cross your fingers. Fair enough. What else? If you're not dropping Paxton, Caleb wants to know if you're dropping AJ Puck. He assumes that's okay to do in a standard league right now. Oh, I hate to do that, but you kind of have to. How, how can you not? Yeah, I hate to. There's not enough roster depth, right? I mean, you can't hang on to something you don't know is going to happen given just so yeah. few bright spots in you, our game. You're up. Your IL spots make that IL spots make the decision for you. There are more of them in an ESPN game. I, I, we just don't know what to say. We're going to come into a situation where you have to make those decisions. I don't see how AJ Puck is is worth rostering. He's not pitching in August. He doesn't have the up. He doesn't. He's not as proven as Verlander and Kluber. Um, he'd be down on my way down on my list of guys uh, that I'm waiting for. I'm sorry. I'd rather have Spencer Howard and Mackenzie Gore right now. At least they're not hurt and sick. Yep. So. You know, look, there's a lot of guessing game going on here. I don't know when Atlanta's getting their catchers back. I don't know when Hunter Dozier is going to play. Or Juan Soto, which was, frankly, the biggest story. We dealt with it on Thursday night's podcast. I wrote a story in which, I could be wrong, I said that Juan Soto would be back before Clayton Kershaw, essentially is what I said. I would. I don't panic on either one of them, but Kershaw with back spasms. You know, the Astros... Could, could leave Verlander on their injured list until the last outing of September. If they're a playoff team anyway, why would they even let Verlander pitch in September until the very end? And it's the same with the Dodgers and Kershaw. If there's any back spasms whatsoever, Kershaw might not even make five starts this season. I think Juan Soto could still play this week. All he needs is one more negative test. He's already had one. It might have been a false positive. I don't know why I think that, but I think it. And I left, I left, I left him active in, in one of my leagues. Kyle, I don't know if you pulled the question on this. I know somebody had asked in a league where this week is separated for them. And off-site, you, there are a few leagues that will do this, that this coming seven-day period is its own week. Would you start, Eric? Soto? Yeah. Austin Meadows was the question. Oh, it's Meadows versus – well, yeah, but I mean – I think Soto is more likely to play the Meadows. From everything I'm reading, I, I don't know for sure, but from everything I'm reading, Soto still is asymptomatic. So I'm going to assume – Look, I could. I don't think. I don't think it's the right question. I think the question is the the waiver wire available players. I could have activated Michael A. Taylor for Juan Soto and NL Labor, which I don't believe you can change rosters on Monday morning. Nope. And I left Taylor inactive. He hit a home run. 
Soto might not play at all. It's a chance I took. Um, I don't know when Soto or Meadows are playing. So it, that was the news from the from Thursday. Yeah. There was a what was the other bit of big news that we dealt with on Thursday night? I it was Kershaw too. I was yeah. Kershaw, right? Oh, and Kershaw yeah. claims he might pitch this weekend, this pending weekend. But I would not. Look, you really should leave Soto and Kershaw on your bench if you can change your rosters. The point is whether you have anybody else to, to, to activate. You have the choice today that you can use Michael Taylor for Juan Soto or Austin Meadows. Would you do that? No, because I still think – I don't even think Michael A. Taylor is going to be there in their lineup. He only started – he only played one of the three games. If it's a player of that value level where there's a little concern about playing time, I, I think the point here is you and I would go ahead and take the chance. If you can activate Cole Calhoun, okay, for Juan Soto, yes. But Michael A. Taylor, no. That's my point. And same for Meadows? Yes. At least you're guaranteed the playing time. I, I probably didn't, I didn't get my point over to you properly on Thursday's show. Michael A. Taylor's not worth me sitting Soto but Cole Calhoun or Jay Bruce or even Michael Tockman, that's different. Okay, well, I didn't get my point across in that how many games did you expect? So we're going to set it at three and a half for those two players. What would you assume for availability of those two players this week? And it's a guess. I admit it's a guess. We have no idea about this. I think Soto plays more and I think Meadows plays less. I think they're both about the same and I think it's the right over under. I'll take the over and they, they play for, but I, I, I'd plan that way. I would make your decision. I, I, I think Soto is fine, and he just needs a test, and he plays Tuesday or Wednesday. I think Meadows was actually sick and needs to work his way back, so I think it's a little bit different, but it's a lot of guessing. Yeah. Um, all right, what else do we need to do here? I guess we're just about done, right? I mean, look. We have the trivia answer. Oh, yes, let's have the trivia answer. So please remind me what the impossible question was. <laughs> it's not impossible. It's players at the age of 40 or older because Nelson Cruz already has three of them. Barry Bonds is the leader in home runs after a player's 40th birthday was 79, but three other players have hit 50 plus after that birthday. Can you name them? Ted Williams. Incorrect. Ted Williams. Rafael Palmero. Ted Williams hit 44. Of course. Palmero hit 20. I'm not, I'm not going to get this one. <laughs> uh, I mean, how many guys even – I mean, I guess Pujols is 40, right? <laughs> Two of these players are in the Hall of Fame. The third is not. Okay. Well, is it Hank Aaron was 40, I guess? Nope. Hank Aaron hit – Oops. Hank Aaron had hit uh, 42 after the age of 40. Uh, I will, obvious? They're well, two Hall of Famers. I would think they're obvious from that aspect. Uh, I'll say that the shame is – no, actually, I do. I have, I, have one, I have two items on the wall of one of these players. Oh, so is he babe, – not Babe Ruth. No. Or Lou Gehrig. No. No. Um, two Ruth items on the wall. Uh, six. Reggie? No. All right. Well, now I'm just embarrassing myself. Just tell him stands. Reggie Jackson at 26. Uh, okay. So the Yankee was Dave Winfield. Okay. Dave Winfield hit 59. Uh, the other Hall of Famer is a catcher. A Hall of Fame? Carlton Fisk. Carlton Fisk at 72. He is second on that list. And the third is the player I believe had the record for home runs at one point past the age of 40. In the 80s. And I'm pretty sure he hit more than 30. 
See if you remember this player. He's not a Hall of Famer, but he had a, a big year after the age of 40 in the 80s. He was a Brave and a Tiger. Daryl Evans. Yeah, Darryl I was going to guess Daryl Evans. Yes. Even before you said Brave and Tiger. Okay. That's a good question. In, he had 40 home runs as a 38-year-old in 85. He had 30. Nelson Cruz is unbelievable. And I had him ranked in like round five, and that wasn't good enough. <laughs> I know it's only one weekend against bad pitching, but he looks like an MVP. He really does. And I hope he gets to play 60 games and prove it. I don't know what's going to happen next, people. There's going to be a meeting in MLB today. I guess we'll find out by the time our next show what's going on in baseball. Check it out on ESPN. Cover Jeff Passan and everybody else who, who reports for ESPN. And, you know, hopefully, I don't even know what I'm rooting for at this point. But I do enjoy doing the Fantasy Focus Baseball podcast with you, Tristan, and with you, Kyle, and with Dave Schoenfield when his computer works. So thank you. And uh, I assume we'll be back Thursday, but check us out on Twitter. Kyle will be tweeting out if there's a change to that. And, um, you know, hopefully people in this country will take this seriously now, but I doubt they will. Anyway, um, any final thoughts, Tristan? The hope is safe, smart, healthy, as all. Yeah. That's, that's all we can say. Look, that's all we can say. Take this seriously, people. You know, I mean, maybe – Maybe we would have gotten through seasons if everybody had taken it seriously. Anyway, we're done for today. Enough from me. Um, Thank you so much for listening to Fantasy Focus Baseball. Maybe it's that's all, folks, but maybe it's not. And hopefully we'll be back with you on Thursday for Kyle, for Tristan, and for Tyler Chadwood. I am Eric. Have an awesome week.